0: He, <laughs> old radio listening society a podcast dedicated to suspense crime and horror stories from the golden age of radio i'm eric i'm tim
1: and i'm joshua we love mysterious old time radio stories but do they stand the test of
0: time that's what we're here to find out we recently reached our second patreon goal and as a reward to all of our listeners we present three skeleton key from escape escape promised to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure
2: No locale was too exotic, no adventure too dangerous, no escape too narrow. In 1947, Radio Life magazine praised the quality of Escape's scripts, declaring these stories all possess many times the reality that most radio writing conveys. Almost 50 years later, John Dunning, author of On the Air, the encyclopedia of old-time radio, recognized Escape as radio's greatest series of high adventure, proclaiming never on radio was the action formula better utilized.
1: From its debut in 1947 to its final broadcast in 1954, Escape produced 230 episodes, including one of radio's most famous plays, Three Skeleton Key. Adapted in 1949 by James Poe from a 1937 story by French author George Tudu, Three Skeleton Key proved so popular it was repeated twice more, each with a different cast. Although some might disagree, most old-timey nerds consider Escape's second broadcast to be the best. It aired March 17, 1950, and starred Vincent Price. When Escape left the air in 1954, Suspense inherited Three Skeleton Key and produced two more versions, one in 1956 and again in 1958. Both broadcasts starred Vincent Price, forever linking the star to that lonely lighthouse off the coast of French Guiana.
0: Much of the success of Three Skeleton Key can be attributed to the sound effects. We won't spoil them for you now in case you're new to the story, but listen carefully to the soundscape created by Cliff Thorsness. At the end of the broadcast, you'll also hear the announcement of an award from Radio and Television Life magazine recognizing Three Skeleton Key for its accomplishments.
1: Worried about midterm elections? Tired of hearing three middle-aged men pat out this
2: introduction? We offer you... Escape! It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices.
3: Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all?
4: We offer you escape! Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure.
3: Tonight, we escape to a lonely lighthouse off the steaming jungle coast of French Guiana. And a nightmare world of terror and violence. As we bring you again in response to hundreds of requests, Three Skeleton Key... Starring Vincent Price.
5: Picture this place. A gray tapering cylinder welded by iron rods and concrete to the key itself. A bare black rock, 150 feet long, maybe 40 wide. That's at low tide. At high tide, just the lighthouse, rising 110 feet straight up out of the ocean. And all about it, the churning water, gray-green scum-dappled, warm as soup, and swarming with gigantic bat-like devil fish, great violet schools, of Portuguese man-of-war, and, yes, the sharks, the big ones, the 15-footers. And as if this weren't enough... There was a hot, dank, rotten smelling wind that came at us day and night off the jungle swamps of the mainland. A wind that smelled like death. A wind that had smelled the slow and frightful death that came one night to this bare, black rock. Set in the base of the light was a watertight bronze door. And in you went, and up. Yes, up and up and round and round, past the tanks of oil and the coils of rope, casks of wicks, racks of lanterns, sacks of spuds and cartons and cans, and up, and up and up, round and round. Over the light storeroom was the food storeroom, and over the food storeroom was the bunk room where the three of us slept, and over the bunk room was the living and cooking room, and over the living and cooking room was the light... She was a beauty, big steel and bronze baby with the sun gleaming through the glass walls all about, bouncing blinding little beams off the big shining reflectors, glittering and refracting through her lenses, the whole gigantic bulk of her balance like a ballerina on the glistening steel axle of her rotary mechanism. She was a sweetheart of a light. And at night, you'd lie there on the stone deck of the gallery with her revolving smoothly and quietly over your head, easing her bright white eye 360 degrees around the horizon. You'd lie there watching to see that the feeders kept working, that everything ran right. And it wouldn't be bad, the other two fellows snoring in their sacks two levels down. You'd smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind, and it wouldn't be bad. About those other two, Louis and Auguste, what a pair. Louis, he was head man, was a big fellow from the Basque Country. Black beard, little hard black eyes, and a pair of arms that I tell you those arms were as big around as my legs. Yes, head man he was, and what word he let go was law. A silent fellow, and although I spent my first two weeks trying to strike up a real conversation... The most I could ever get out of him was... Jean, I took up this profession because I
3: don't like people. They want to talk too much. It's quiet work, light-tending. Let's keep it that way. You, you're getting to be as bad as August. I thought maybe for once they send me somebody... That was Louis.
5: When he accused me of becoming like August, I quieted down. Because August was the talkingest man I'd ever met. The talkingest and the ugliest. He was hunchbacked, stood four feet high, had red hair and big blue eyes. It seems he'd been an actor in Paris. Yes,
6: indeed. Played in over 200 different productions, dear boy, at the Grand Guignol. Oh, but it was monstrous, horrible. The way we used to scare the audiences. I I was hated. Yes, yes, they used to throw things and hiss and bare their teeth at me. Finally, it got too bad. I couldn't stand it any longer. I gave up the theater. My nerves, you understand. Yes, gave it up completely. I really did. Couldn't stand
7: it any longer.
5: It all started one morning at 2.30. I was on watch, lying on the cool stone deck, pulling on my pipe, staring out at the blackness, the phosphorescent combers, and the big yellow stars. When out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something show up for a second. Something the light had touched, far off. I waited for her to come around again, and when she did, there it was. a big one, about a half mile off and coming down out of the north-northwest, coming straight for us. You must understand, our light was where it was for a very good reason. Dangerous submerged reefs surrounded us and ships kept clear. But this one, this sailing vessel, was coming straight on. I went over to the gallery door and yelled, Louie!
7: Louie!
5: Couldn't understand it. I waited for the light to come around again.
7: What is it? Ship headed for the reef. Coming right
5: up. I had the glasses out. Now, I couldn't read her name, but I could see her quite plainly. All sails set, the foam creaming away under her bow, her beautiful lines. A Dutch ship, I guessed her. But why didn't she turn? Every time it passed, our light hit her with the glare of day. Ship? Where? North, northwest. The light will touch her in a moment. Can't they see? Look at her. She just keeps coming on. Yeah, the square heads. What is it? What is it? Watch north, northwest.
6: I know. I know what it is.
5: Huh? What?
6: The Dutchman. The flying Dutchman. We did a play about her once. Oh, what a performance. You ghastly galleon, hag-ridden, curse ribbon, must-arm...
5: Shut up, will you? She's luffing. Yes. Sloppy way to come about. She's derelict, that's it. Derelict? Abandoned. The crew left her for some reason or other. But instead of sinking, she's gone on, running before every wind.
6: She'll not run long, not with these reefs to break her up.
5: A beautiful ship. Now, why would men leave a beautiful ship like that? She didn't ram us, although we all expected it. But as we waited for the crash, she luffed again, caught some odd gust, and went about. We watched her the rest of those black hours, healing and rocking, pushed and pulled by every stray wind, every freak current. Watched her until the dawn came, till the sea turned from black to a pearly gray. And on she came again, heading for us. We all had our glasses trained on her now. August, you can kill the light. Right, Chief? She doesn't look so good by daylight. Think she'll ground this time? What? What? I say, do you think she'll ground this time? Huh? This is impossible. Huh? Absolutely impossible. What? Here. Take my glasses. They're better than yours. All right. And what is it you I had to focus, and then my breath froze in my throat. The decks were swarming with a dark brown carpet that looked like a gigantic fungus, but undulating. And on the masts and yards, the guys and all were hundreds, no thousands, no... I don't know, an endless number of enormous rats. See them? Yes, I see them. Now we know why she's derelict. Yes, now we know.
6: What are you two doing? Here, give me a look.
5: Yes, give him the glasses. Take a good look, chatterbox. Give you something to talk about. She's still heading for us. Yes. (laughs) Uh, She's going to turn. She better turn soon. Suppose she doesn't. You mean suppose she piles up on the key? It's slow tide. Yes. Yes, it is. Where's all the conversation, August, huh? Here, want the glasses again? (laughs) What another look? No, no! She's still coming on. Go away! Go away! Turn, will you? Turn, I say, I pray you.
7: Turn! She's climbing up. The rats! Look, on the water! Like a carpet! They're
5: swimming. Sure, they're swimming. Those are ship's rats. But they're swimming for the rocks. The door below! It's open! Come on! We went racing down the stone stairs Taking them three and four at a time Scared? You bet we were scared August, you get the windows Maybe they can climb, we don't know Gracie, but hurry, hurry I... Look See them? No Oh, yes, I do Up at the other end of the rock Look at the, the millions. millions They smell us Here they come Close the door I can't get it. There, let me. Oh, move, you <laughs> Made it. Holy, that was close. One guy in. Look there. Get him! Bigger. And his eyes were wild and red, his teeth long and sharp and yellow. He went for a scarf and ravenous, and we fought him, fought that one rat all over the room. It was, oh believe me, I do not exaggerate. It was like fighting a panther. Got him. We better get aloft. As we ran up the winding staircase, we passed the tiny windows of the various levels and that every one was a thick, wriggling, screaming curtain of brown fur. I was ahead of Louie, and I dreaded each successive level. Suppose they had found a way in. Look at them! Will you look at them? It's a nightmare. Will you look at them? The hair of the gallery was thick and fettered with the stink of them. The light was dim, brown, filtered through the crawling mass that swarmed over the glass all about us. I could not see the sky, nothing, nothing but them... Their red eyes, their claws, their wriggling, hairy snouts, and their teeth, their rats. They screamed and howled and threw themselves against the glass. They were starving. And we three, we stood very quietly. Oh, very, very quietly in the center of the classroom under our beautiful light. And we waited. What can we do? What can we do? Take it easy, old man. Take it easy. i just calm. It Don't do any good to stand here in shape. Uh, that's right. Anybody want a cigarette? Yes, yes, I have one. Thank you. Good boy. We've got to keep calm about this thing. Here's a light. <laughs> <laughs> there
6: don't like the fire, do they? Just not. <laughs> Give me another match. <laughs> You don't like that much, do you like Don't
5: rile them, August.
6: Give me some more matches. I'll strike them and strike them and strike them until they get scared and go away. They won't go <laughs> away. Not until... Let it, Jake. Not until what? Not until they've been fed...
5: Take just so much horror and then you get used to it. And they were interesting to watch, you know. They couldn't understand the glass. They could see us and they could rush at us, but that thin invisible barrier held them off, stopped them. From time to time, we caught a glimpse of the rocks below. More rats down there, swarming brown velvet in the bright tropical sunlight. And then the tide began to rise. Only it'd drown some of them.
6: Ship's rats don't drown. <laughs> no, sir, you cannot drown one of them. They're all climbing up the tower.
5: This bunch around us is getting thicker. Yeah. Say, what's the time? Quarter six. You've got this watch, John. Right. Uh, Wake me at ten. I will. Come along, Abrus. It was getting dark. One side of the room was lit a soft, filtered red sunset through the racks. Oh, very pretty. I set the wicks, checked my fuel, and then lit the lamps. It caught them, lit them in their gigantic wriggling web of pale, hairless bellies, twitching red tails, bright eyes. Then I started the rotary motor drove them mad as she swung slowly and smoothly about. She blinded them in the fierce, stabbing bar of light, moving continually about of a turning of a touching of a moving around and around, and they twitching and shuddering, eyes flaming when they were struck by the light. The bright light moving, and behind on the dark side of the room, so close, so close, I dared not turn my back, but you cannot help turning your back when you're in a room made of glass... On the dark side of the room, you could not see them, but only their eyes. Thousands of points of blank red light, blinking and twinkling like the stars of hell. Louis relieved me at ten, but I didn't get much sleep that night, and when I came up into the gallery early next morning... There stood August, his back to me. He was bowing to the rats, waving his arms, and making a
6: speech. I am going to play once again that magnificent role which made me the toast of the Paris theatre. Pray, latte, the evil genius of the medieval underworld. I am he who did guide the dark soul of the maréchal into the nether parts. <laughs> Do not be frightened, little children. I will not hurt you. I stood staring at him,
5: horror-struck, but he didn't notice me. The man had gone mad. He kept turning, telling his stories to all the rats, leaving no one out. August! August! August!
7: Ah,
5: another one. A late comer.
7: Take a
6: seat on the aisle, dear patron. Huggles, Move stop over there. Stop it. Let the gentleman be but seated. He didn't. Come
5: um, um, come. He went on, oh, bowing and scraping oh, 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 oh. to the rats, his it big blue eyes rolling and winking, his wild red hair waving about him. I grabbed him by the arms. Slapped his face.
3: <laughs> he looked at me
5: like a child. And then his face screwed up. He looked as though he were about to cry. Go below, go on. Oh, very well, then.
6: Later, my dear audience, later. Matinee today.
5: Sure, he was crazy. But I guess we all were. A few hours later, he came back up and caught Louie and me teasing the rats. Yes. Sounds horrible. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) We could get right up against the glass and make faces at them. It drove them crazy. They would scratch away trying to get at our eyes. Louis was even cuter about it. He'd pull a piece of bread out of his pocket and press it against the glass. The rats would scramble into a solid ball, biting each other, clustering like grapes. From time to time, a whole knot of them would slip and crawl 110 feet to the surf below. Sharks. They're eating them. Ah, the sharks are our friends. Here, I'll get another bunch together. Here, yeah, my beauty. That's it. Pile of. Kill each other. There they go! Auguste joined in, too. Oh, very ingenious, August. He learned that if he spread eagled himself against the glass, they'd bunch and bundle against his figure. Then he'd leap back. Look! My portrait
7: in
5: rats. It went on all day. And then I was lying in bed. It was about midnight. I was very tired and I was just beginning to fall off to sleep when I became conscious of a new sound. Couldn't figure it at first. I got up, lit the lamp, and went to the window. Even as I looked at it, I saw one of the panes begin to sag in. They had eaten the wood away. Louis, Louis, come uh, quick. What? What is it? They found a way in. I held the glass with my hand. Now they were all going crazy, and assured of the success of this maneuver, were all nibbling away at the wood. Louis ran below and then returned with a large sheet of tin. We spread it against the window and hammered it into place. Even as we did so, we felt the heavy body scudding against the other side as the window gave way. That ought to hold. If it doesn't, we're done for. Rats can't eat tin. No, they can't. So what was that? I don't know. It came from below. The storeroom window. They're huh. there is. They're swarming up the stairs. Drop the trap. Right. Yeah. Two of them got in. Let's go after them. We didn't have to go after them. They came at us. I leaped to one side and grabbed the marlin. Spike swung and smashed one in midair. No! I whirled to see Louis with the other. It had ripped his hand open and the blood was pouring all over the place. He held his hand aloft and kicked at the snarling rat. I stepped and swung and got him. My he
6: got yeah. my hand! That's both
5: of them, Louie. I'll, I'll get you something to tie that up. Blood!
6: Look at
5: it! My, my blood! I'm bleeding! Now, don't worry about it, Louie. Here, look. I'll wind this kerchief around it. It'll be okay. Blood! There, now. It's not bad, just the flesh. And then I became conscious of another new sound. They were gnawing their way through the wooden trap door. I watched the wood fascinated. Even as I did, it began to give way, and a bristling, whiskery nose showed through. Louis, Louis, we've got to go up. Next level was the living quarters in the kitchen. I slammed the trap door there, too, but it too was wood. Uh, my blood. What are we going to do? Oh, hell no. We'll be through this one in a moment. The gallery. The trap door in the gallery is metal. Good. Come on. made it. We lay across the trapdoor, exhausted, while below us the rats took over the entire tower. I could hear them howling and fighting over our food supply, our water, our leather, and all about us, the others screamed and glared in at us, swayed in a tangled mass, hypnotized by the ever-turning light. By morning, the air in the little room was horrible. Until now, we'd been getting air from the tower below. Now that was sealed off. And so was all our food and water. We lay exhausted, panting, waiting, waiting. And the hours crawled on. I was almost dozing from fatigue when I saw a sight that brought me too fast.
6: <laughs> Would you like to come in, my beauty? Dear dear? Would you? I hold the powers of life and death, and I can let you in, you are. Know. August was
5: standing by the glass, and in one hand he held a wrench. He was tapping the glass gently, not quite hard enough to break it. I eased myself to my feet, and slowly, very slowly, tiptoed toward him.
6: All I have to do is tap
7: just a little harder.
5: I found a coil of wire in the tool kit And I trussed him up Fastened him to a stanchion in the center of the room Louis was of no help He lay on his side looking at his bloody hand Weak and sick as a baby So there I was, a lunatic and a coward for company And all about watching our little drama, The Rats The day dragged by The supply boat wasn't due for another 12 days. I don't know what they could have done if they had come. We had only one way of summoning them, and that was to shoot off distress rockets, but the rockets were four floors below. And even if they'd been right there in the gallery, I couldn't have opened a window to fire them. That night, I tended the light, but its flame was devouring our oxygen. The following day we lay, thirst-tormented, starving, waiting, waiting, and the following night I again tended the light, but the small supply of spare wicking we kept in the gallery had become exhausted, and quite suddenly, about midnight, the light went out. There's nothing I could do. Wicks were stored three levels below. Nothing I could do. Nothing... From time to time, I'd strike a match to see the clock. When I did, it lit up a million red eyes about us. All about us. Watching. Waiting. Below, it had grown quiet. They'd cleaned us out, and now they, too, were waiting. All waiting. And then, the rats, quite suddenly, were silent. And then I heard it. And then I saw the sky and the stars. The rats were gone. I went to the glass. Out there on the water, a small freighter, a banana boat, showing a few lights, came softly and innocently at us light was out. They didn't know. I wanted to open the windows to call out to them, to warn them somehow, but I was afraid. What if, what if the rats were hiding from me, tricking me? So I waited. She grounded very softly on a reef not 200 yards from the quay. Grounded so gently that the man playing the cornet, was he a passenger or crewman off watch didn't even stop playing. They tried washing her back off. I could have told them to save their fuel. The tide was rising, would have floated her free. And I waited. That's all. That's the story. The sun came up and there wasn't a rat on the whole key. Every last one of that terrible army had left us, gone back to sea on their new ship. August, insane asylum, he never recovered. And Louis, they took him into Cayenne where he died of blood poisoning from his bite. Huh. Uh. Well, that's the whole of it. And if you'll excuse me now, I must go set my traps. No, no mouse traps. No rats in this lighthouse, I should say not. Life in the lights isn't bad. But sometimes when I see a strange vessel approaching, I get a little nervous, sure. Somewhere on the seas, there's a little banana boat without a crew. That is, without a human crew.
4: Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robson. Tonight we have presented Three Skeleton Key by George Toos, adapted for radio by James Poe and starring Vincent Price as Jean. Supporting Mr. Price, where Harry Bartell is August and Jeff Corey is Louis. Sound effects on three-skeleton key, created by Cliff Thorsness and executed today by Mr. Thorsness, Gus Bays, and Jack Sixsmith, have been awarded the best of the year by Radio and Television Life magazine. Harry Esman was at the control panel, and special music was arranged and conducted by Del Castillo. Next week...
3: You are swimming for your life in the dangerous waters off the Florida Gulf Coast. About to be smashed by a launch carrying a vicious criminal who must kill you or die himself. And on shore, 500 yards away, the police are waiting to arrest you for murder. And there can be no escape.
4: Next week, we escape with an exciting tale of temptation and death on the Gulf Coast of Florida. As John and Gwen Bagney tell it in Danger at Matacumba. Goodbye, then, until this same time next week when once again we offer you Escape. A patch of weeds, a boxer's biography, and a mild, lukewarm bath. They're all clues that lead the police of Jackson, Michigan to a killer in the gangbuster story on CBS this Saturday night. It's the case of the double push to be heard on most of the same CBS stations this Saturday night. This is CBS, the Columbia broadcasting system.
0: That was Three Skeleton Key from Escape, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Aaron. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That is our 101st episode, or this is, I should say. And uh, that is also a reward for our Patreons. We reached the 150 mark, Mm -hmm. and... We reached that quickly, so last week we did War of the World for 100, and now we're doing Three Skeleton Key, although we've been waiting diligently and uh, patiently for a moment or a time that we could bring this show finally to the podcast. Probably our it's most requested mo- show. Yeah, yeah, people love it, and people are like, when are you doing Three Skeleton Key? And, and there you have it, we're done. So uh, <laughs> Thank you, and good night. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'll start this off by saying I'd never listened to it before. And I had to hold off for the last couple of years of this podcast of listening to Three Skeleton Key because I knew it was coming and I had never heard it. Any of the 70 versions. Wow. None of them. Tim also had never heard this, correct? correct. Had you heard any of the others? No. Nope. Had you read the short story by Frenchie McFrench French? I had not. Okay. <laughs> and then I did my research and I'm so sorry, his name is... Uh, George Todo. Tudu, uh Wrote a lot of stuff. And is forever remembered for this. The story, when it came out, got him a lot of attention, let alone uh, suspense and escape doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a lot of people that talk about how Do should be remembered for a lot more than this. He wrote a lot of great things. Uh, hello, ghoulish delights. You should probably look into yeah. John, Mr. <laughs> Do. But he uh, apparently only remembered for this like he's like the Bob Denver of writing you know like and now I'm Gilligan <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wrote other things was also in the many loves of Dobie Gillis <laughs> yep. far
1: superior to Gilligan's Island oh, Toby Gillis Dobie Gillis was a... it's a work of genius it... we're changing the podcast format here we're going to talk about Dobie Gillis
0: <laughs> so here I am waiting to hear this classic loved thing and I Finally sit down, and I don't have any idea what it's about. No clue what this is about. You honestly didn't know rats? Didn't know the rats. There was at one point in my notes, I did write, well, when does the key come in? Are they going to need a skeleton key to get out of the lighthouse? (laughs) And then I looked up the story about how three... Uh, convicts had died on the island. They just found their skeletons. And they it's on a key, mm-hmm. so it's
1: three-skeleton It's key. a very strange element from the original story not to
0: include if you're going to use the title. Yep. It was confusing. I, I'm leading to something, and I'm so... Just say it, Eric. I don't know what all the fuss is about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the foley, especially of the rats, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I had to listen to it twice because I was so nonplussed. I went, well, I'm obviously an idiot. Everybody <laughs> thinks this is the greatest thing ever written. And this is after War of the Worlds last week. And that first 40 minutes is so brilliant. And I was like, yes, here's some more brilliance. And, you know, "Forbleboard was another one that I was introduced to on this podcast that everybody loves. And when it was done, I went, wow, mm-hmm. that is brilliant. <laughs> and this got done and I went, yeah, so they got away from the rats. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. They uh, were trapped by some rats.
2: So, I also uh, had not listened to this before, and I listened to it and went, Oh my God, it's the best thing ever! I love this show so much! Up <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, on. I just want to do this show. We're just a Three Skeleton Keys podcast from now on! <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, this is this was everything I love about horror. It, it's so awesome. <laughs> I was really, really happy about listening to this show.
0: Oh, well, no.
1: And I
2: will tell you right now that I like it.
1: Exactly I, in the,
0: between the two of you. Is the porridge just right over here? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's a little overrated, but I don't think it's bad by any means. I think it's a good to great script.
0: I'm so happy to hear you say that mm-hmm. because I thought for sure I would just be berated yeah. for that. I've I, I been think so it is worried about Way to
1: heaven of old time radio, (laughs) don't get me wrong. (laughs) But it doesn't mean it's bad.
0: No, I did enjoy it. And again, I think I might have been so amped up to finally listen to this because I didn't know it was in a lighthouse, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it's a locked room mystery. Is it? <laughs> they're locked
2: in a. They're, they're trapped. Room, You're trapped right. yeah, yeah. But, uh, mystery. They know who's <laughs> killing people.
0: <laughs> well, they don't know it how to might get out. It be the rats. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's the right? terminology then, you know, whenever you take it has you know, that, and a, Lord of the Flies... A
1: base under sea kind of you, you take of people and you
0: can't move and you can't go anywhere. It's and, that and, structure
2: and wh- where they keep reducing their resources. They
1: have a right. smaller space and a smaller
2: right. space and a smaller space. It's a classic horror structure.
0: Right. Yeah. And what happens to them psychologically when you separate them out and reduce their resources? Yeah.
1: All right, let's I would say the same, same thing, but higher card.
0: pitched and more excited. <laughs> 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 so you like Lord of the Flies. A lot. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't like a pig head on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, Gilligan's Island. Yeah.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I
2: mean, it's no Dobie Gillis. Anyways, <laughs> um, one of the things I love in a horror story is that is both the threats, the exterior threat, is really compelling and interesting, and the foley and the language and presentation and all just the visuals they create of the rats are the sun coming into the window of rats. It's just Mm -hmm. gruesome. Turns everything rat color. Yes. (laughs) Could you pull the rat shade? Um, (laughs) It's just very visceral. I mean, it's like a rat gets in and they freak out. It's so good at presenting that threat. And the horror of what it does to them, mm-hmm. which I know I'm basically describing. That's what the show is. But it's they do those two things so well mm-hmm. that it's the exterior threat and the interior threat. And it's pitch perfect to me.
0: One of the things that pulled me out a little bit was the actor playing Auguste yeah. <laughs> was not doing the same show.
1: Yeah, uh, that is a problem with this version. And I wrestled with that because I love Vincent Price's performance. Mm-hmm. But I can't stand
0: a goose. Here's my question. Is he a representation of what people think actors are? (laughs) Is that how people think we are? Well, they're specifically saying
2: he was a Grand Guignol actor. Specifically, that he was really presentational, really grotesque. grotesque. Yeah, that's a good word for it. He's a red-headed,
1: hunchbacked... Right. crazy actor which seemed excessive to me <laughs> it really did and one of my problems with the performance is just that Harry Bartell who I love the Petri Wine guy from The yeah. Adventures of Sherlock Holmes but he leaves himself nowhere to go for a character who's supposed to lose his mind by the end right. he starts just as a lunatic <laughs> and, it, right. and then he loses his mind and it's like how can you tell he's still a
0: lunatic right um, there's no worry about him when he's pressing his Body, uh, making an image of himself. Making rat angels. Right.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which
1: is a thing of beauty. That is the high point of this entire story. Is the, my portrait in rats. Which is why I'm so hard on his performance, because it's so great when he snaps. I just would have liked to have seen him get there. Right. Uh,
0: Then we would have been worried about him, mm
1: -hmm. instead of, well, that's what he is. The thing about Three Skeleton Key is it's been done so many times, I kind of want to take a version a of supercut, like eight of them, right? <laughs> Where I want Vincent Price's narrator, but I want a more subtle performance from a goose and a musical soundtrack. It's very rounds Im- out yeah, a lot of moments. It's for not me. subtle. I find the music overwhelming in this. No, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but those are my main two critiques. Other than that, I think it's a pretty amazing episode
0: of old time radio. It's a great story. Men trapped on an island, and then the boat comes in and it's full of rats and traps them. I, I think that in itself is terrifying and isn't it a little like uh, Lovecraft, uh, Rat uh, a little bit?
2: Uh, only in the really visceral threat of rats.
0: Right. That's what I'm saying,
2: though. But it's...
0: (laughs) Only in the rats. (laughs) (laughs) But people trapped by rats. Same with Food of the Gods, 1976. (laughs) We're just not going to go there again, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Can I not bring up Food of the Gods anymore? (laughs) That great movie.
1: (laughs) One thing I love about this is the opening line and I'm surprised that more people don't just do this in old-time radio, but the opening line is, picture this place. Right. And for some reason, I find that demand for attention and focus really cool, particularly because it's crucial for the listener to get introduced to this place, because this is not relational horror. It's not the kind of horror where you're in your home alone, in your cozy bed. This is an alien place. Mm-hmm. And that way, it reminded me of some of the episodes of Quiet, Please. The concept, not the execution, but where... The listener needs to know these facts to put yeah. themselves in this place. And so I think the script does a great job there. And Vincent Price, who's the king of the narrators, it does so much work to sort of pull you in to
2: this lighthouse and feel and know where you are. They do that thing that I associate it with the action movies that were like, Die hard on a plane. Die hard on a boat. Yep. <laughs> um, but it's all really depends on you have to know the geography. Mm-hmm. Um, so they at the start up they do a little tour of here is everything we have. And here is where mm-hmm. this is in relation to this. Um, and exactly what you were just saying. Yep. Yeah. And they knew the, the nice foley because they
1: start at the rock. Then they move into the lighthouse. And they move up. He goes up and up and up. And we hear the footsteps on the iron stairs. And it's really The rotator beautiful. of the engine
0: spinning the lights. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had to do some research on lighthouses because about three fourths of the way through, when they're talking about they're running out of kindling for the light, (laughs) I went, oh, wait a minute. This is not an electric light bulb. Mm -hmm. This is so I ended up down a rabbit hole on lighthouses, which is really cool on how they were lighting these things Mm -hmm. from candles to cold. And I realized that's what they're doing. They're keeping this fire lit in this room. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why it needs constant attention. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there's a great bit of Foley with the light. When they've reached the
1: top of the lighthouse, the rats are on top of the glass. And we've established that the rats hate the light. Mm -hmm. And the narrator turns on the light and it turns. Mm -hmm. And every time it hits the rats, we hear this Screech oh, yeah. And it creates this yep. Doppler effect of rat screaming yep. That makes you totally visualize the way the light is turning And it's, mm-hmm. it's really amazing It also is this great instance of Foley where What do a million cat-sized carnivorous rats <laughs> sound like? We don't have an agreed-upon right. thing It's an imaginary sound to most people And that's a hard sound to achieve Because you've got to match the listener's imagination Unlike closing a door or a car screeching to a halt and yeah, I think yeah. they do a great job, because we can't say, that's not what a million carnivorous rats <laughs> sound like. That's a really like. good we, we've point. We've just got to go, Somehow yep. clinging
2: to the glass. Yeah.
1: That sounds about right. <laughs> now you just, I didn't think about
0: that. How are they clinging to the glass?
1: I think they're just stacked on each other. I think so. The, the idea is, that, is that the entire lighthouse is just covered in giant marine rats. <laughs> wow. All right. Dutch rats. The story goes into great detail about these strange, rats. wise, gigantic Dutch it's rats. those
0: flourishes that I like that. Oh, there's sharks are eating them. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the other issues I have, you know, we talked about this. I think Josh was the one that said vampires, nah, he's nonplussed by them. And, mm-hmm. and some people are like, oh, my God, vampires, like mm-hmm. me. Vampire stories, I'm like immediately under the covers. Rats doesn't do it. Like uh, snakes. I'm out. You know, like if that was a bunch of snakes, I probably would have been a little more... I think a fear of rats and mice probably
1: says a lot about why this story is as popular as it is. Mm-hmm. However, I like rats. I think they're adorable. But the way this is described, it's something beyond that. It's the, the number of them, the yeah. visceral thing about an undulating carpet of rats. Right. And yeah. it just turns your stomach because it's not a natural rat
0: Right. I've owned rats, and they are yeah. cute. They're adorable and, and
1: smart, yeah.
0: and they don't eat people, but these guys do. <laughs> it didn't food to the gods. <laughs> <laughs> we can, I cannot wait till I get that movie, and I'm force you guys to sit down and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that'll uh, be I a was Patreon so bonus <laughs> thing.
2: <laughs> so in love and invested in this that when the cornet starts playing... Oh, yeah, I did like that. that. I'm like, please don't be an actual horn player please don't be an actual person who's going to be and then you know, i was just torn of like well it's saving their lives yay boat full of people i don't
0: know who are gonna die
1: <laughs> yeah and they established too that they can't burn can't. that light anymore and he feels bad about it he's he wants to
0: i have a question about the cornet player is this a thing in a boat like is this a? It seemed like it was just some
2: you know sailor on his off hours playing a horn. There might be a reference that I don't get. but I yeah,
1: think it's I
0: didn't understand. Mostly an audio chord.
1: cue because it <laughs> works so effectively, right? This just
0: lone well, haunting. Did you think oh Pied Piper? Someone, oh, I did not. Someone is showing I up to can't lead the rats. Believe away. I didn't think the Pied no, Piper. No, that's uh, what I thought course, was happening. Of course, I thought they're being saved by some supernatural being that is playing this pipe that is going to lead the rats away from him. And then when they attacked the boat, I thought they were going to get on the boat like they were his buddy <laughs> and he was going to take them away for them. And he was going to be like uh, a flying Dutchman kind of ghost himself, this guy in this boat. And then when it killed him, I went, oh, then you should have stopped playing the coronet <laughs> because they seemed to... Well it was like dark it. he couldn't yeah, see it that what what was, was so
1: scary he's, he has no idea what's coming to him and he he's just clearly, thinks he's on the open sea yeah he's enjoying himself <laughs> like no <laughs> it's an awful ending and right. then again last week we talked about silences in War of the Worlds when that coronet goes out
7: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Yeah, mm-hmm. and the narration says that's all that's mm-hmm. the story What was the Vincent Price one in South America again that we did? Bloodbath. Again, uh, we've had our Vincent Price talks, and Tim loves Vincent Price a lot. I do love Vincent Price. And for the most part, his entire career, most everything I've seen, I've gone, uh, a lot of Vincent Price being Vincent Price. There's now been two episodes where I have come to realize oh, underneath that character of a character that you're playing,
1: much later in his career,
0: too, is a really great actor. And we forget that when we're subjected to him doing that same character over and over and over again, and like I love that character.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's so good at the beginning when he's saying he's describing life in the lighthouse, and he says it wouldn't be bad. You'd smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be bad. And you can hear the smile on his face. You can hear the contentment yeah. as he's flashing back to this. And it's just those little small moments. And he just he's so natural it's not what we associate with later Vincent Price right. as being natural. I think that's where you have well, the cognitive dissonance. Uh, but here you
0: see just what a great performance. It He's a he Looney Tunes cartoon, you know. <laughs> I like that Vincent Price too, but yes. <laughs> I was smoking my pipe while he was talking about smoking his pipe. And it, was, it was a great moment. I said, me too. Sometimes. There's also the great
1: line... And it applies so well to this story when he says you can take just so much horror and then you get used to it. Yeah, and I mean, at some point when you're living in a lighthouse, you know, with the only light being shown through the bodies of rats and you're mm-hmm. teasing them and you're making rat portraits in the glass. <laughs> that's an element of horror we don't see often or mm-hmm. it's just like, well, we adjust. <laughs> And this is the new normal.
2: This is rat normal (laughs) that we're all living in. And I thought thought that was a really nice observation. So perfect, too, because it sets up like, all right, we're set here. Uh, Oh, pane's coming in. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) Oh, and there's a great foley of the rats chewing the wood. That sounds really convincing.
0: I wrote the same quote down. It's a very powerful uh, sentiment. That's that's an aspect of it that
2: appeals to me so much in the horror of. It sets up the start of this is a location these guys know in and out. It's so boring to them. They know this lighthouse, and I mean, it gets communicated to you in this florid language, and it's really compelling. Mm -hmm. But it so quickly transforms into a nightmarescape of just an Mm -hmm. unthinkable place to be. I I would recommend to both you and Eric to read the extremely
1: short story. The end is completely different, and it tear through this guy's works. I love this bonkers. (laughs) I won't give anything away for listeners too, but the end is an all-out. War with rats. It's nice. nothing like the end of this. I'm so tempted to just
2: read you the end right now. But I won't. Go read the story. Please tell me that the rats have little bazookas and <laughs> Well, I like the sending of like, we just got another boat, we're gonna go sail somewhere else. Yeah.
1: See you somewhere else. Yeah. I like both of them. It's one of those rare instances where it's two dramatically different ends, and they're both really satisfying for more different a, reasons. More of a
0: linogen versus the ants kind of ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's There's fire and judgment
1: and sharks. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Read the end of this story.
0: Uh, why didn't they shoot off the distress rockets right away?
1: Wait. Are we talking about X minus Y? Did you yeah. listen to a different
0: story? With they the... made a reference to that they have well, distress. Have
2: flares. But they couldn't open the window to fire them.
0: No, when they saw what was coming there out, there was
2: a tiny little window of time mm-hmm. when theoretically they could have gotten upstairs before the rats got up there. Mm-hmm. They could, they had
1: to choose between closing the door at the bottom of the lighthouse or doing that. And I felt it made logical sense. Mm-hmm. I, one of those times where I put myself in that moment,
2: I'd run to shut the front door. And didn't they also say <laughs> that the flares were downstairs? So, like, you had to think, like, grab the flares now. Yeah.
0: Um, I also, uh, in my research, accidentally came across a short film mm-hmm. uh, called Three Skeleton Key. <laughs> And watched a bit of it, and uh, it's really well done. Why? Uh, and uh, it's uh, been in a lot of uh, independent film festivals. Yeah, and it's, it's a small, small film. Small film, and I can't wait to see the whole thing. It's from the n- not too long ago. No, uh, not very long ago. There's a link
2: I can find online. I'll oh, put yeah. it
0: in the... Yeah. Any other thoughts?
2: Yeah. I love it! I love
7: it so much!
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I never want to listen to any other radio besides <laughs> Three Skeleton Key!
0: There's so
1: many different versions. You can go check them all out. <laughs>
0: It would be easy and interesting to put on stage. Yeah. What? <laughs> I just got to
2: put out a casting call for a lot of rats. We can get a rat suit. <laughs> we can get toddlers dressed up as
0: rats. One guy in a rat suit. Just change it slightly <laughs> to a giant rat <laughs> <laughs> clinging to the window. That, man. <laughs> that can talk and smokes.
1: Uh, <laughs> I have an old Radiola record of Three Skeleton Key, and it's some vintage clip art of a lighthouse that they cut out and put a gigantic clip art rat <laughs> peering up into the top of the lighthouse. it's just one single gigantic rat. Ratzilla. <laughs>
0: that's food of the gods. Yep. <laughs> I just wanted to give you that,
1: Eric, before we left. So final votes, I think it's, it is a classic. Yeah. It's have,
0: a
7: classic!
1: <laughs> I have qualms with elements of this production, but that's... It. It, it, because there's so many other versions, I think there's an argument that the suspense versions might even be better however, I wanted to stick with the original escape versions, one of those and Vincent Price is just Vincent Price So
0: It's classic, I liked it a lot, I think I was way too excited, you know like, oh, this is going to change my life it's so good, it's three skeletons <laughs> Like I
7: know! <laughs> it did.
0: Um I'm going to tell you this right now. Down the road, I would like to do on this podcast a couple more three skeleton keys, okay? And I'd like to hear (laughs) all about next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear all of them, and reserve my judgment until I hear all of them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But yeah, of course it stands a test time. Of course it's a classic. I'm not an idiot. I don't like the Grateful Dead, but eight billion people can't be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They're obviously a good band. I
1: think in that one
2: case, eight billion people (laughs) could be wrong. (laughs) the exception that proves the
0: rule. There you have it. Tim, why don't you tell stuff? So?
2: Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. There you'll find other episodes of this podcast. You'll also find uh, ways to get a hold of us if you want to reach us through Facebook or Instagram or our contact page or just leave a comment on one of our podcast episodes. Uh, let us know what you think. We appreciate it. Yes, and go to patreon.com slash themorals where you can see
1: a lot of fun stuff, including an opportunity to support this podcast if you are so inclined. Um, also, go to iTunes and a review. We love reviews. Let us know what what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you think of uh, Three Skeleton Key.
0: Alright, our next episode is one of Joshua's picks. We're finally back to picking our own. This is exciting. And I picked an episode of the Whistler entitled Treasure
1: Hunt. Until then... Picture this place.
2: Oh my god, it's the best thing ever! I love this show so much! Uh, From now on, I just want to do this show. We're just a Three Skeleton Key podcast from now on! (laughs)